0: Today's scripture comes from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night. Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. and the next day we went on to Napolis. the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Lord, your word gives us strength and wisdom to serve you each and every day.
1: Amen. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Hey, faith family, Um, good morning to all of you here in the house, all of you in your house or wherever you are, Uh, and to anyone who ever had a mother. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, I talked to a couple of ladies at the annual salad luncheon on Wednesday uh, who are no longer usually able to worship with us on Sunday mornings, and uh, they both said to me, I see you every Sunday online. And they were so thankful to be able to, to worship that way uh, via video with us. So today, I thought, I just want to give a big hi and howdy to Sharon and Lorraine, part of our faith family. One quick note, uh, Sunday's wor- next Sunday's worship will include a few songs from the Messengers Gospel Quartet. This picture is 48 years old, and I can see now that my hair was bigger than my head. And we have not sung together in 45 years, so come at your own risk. Fortunately, we will be accompanied by the eternally effervescent David Gerard. Now, uh, each Sunday this month, we are praying a prayer for grace that came from John Wesley, Methodism's founder. Uh, You know, God made humans as hybrids. Have you thought about it that way? Uh, We are physical and spiritual creatures and so sometimes it's helpful to pray with our bodies as well as our minds so as i did last sunday i'm suggesting some gestures to go with this prayer uh will you stand with me if you're able to do so and i just want to show you these five gestures you can try them with me if you'd like the first is two hands open one upon the other grace upon grace One hand forward and open, the other hand forward and open with it, then both hands over the heart. Finally, both hands open and reaching out, okay? Now, um, if these gestures distract you from actually praying, you don't have to do them. Uh, Feel free, but but feel free to do them because maybe after you get used to it, it it will help. Um, So let's pray together. You can follow me on the gestures, okay? O God, seeing as there is in Christ Jesus an infinite fullness of all that we can want or desire, may we all receive from him grace upon grace, grace to pardon our sins and overcome our iniquities, grace to justify us and to sanctify our souls. And grace to complete that holy change, that renewal of our hearts, which will enable us to be transformed into the blessed image in which you created us, make us all acceptable to be partakers of the inheritance of your saints in light. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Have I, have I told you what happened the first time that I asked uh, Trisha out on a date? She turned me down. She had this flimsy excuse about being in a relationship with somebody else. Oh, well. Six months later, the other guy was out of the picture, and by the grace of God, I started to move out of her only a friend category. You know that about that category, right? she became receptive to dating me. As a matter of fact, she asked me out. That's our story. After 43 years of marriage, she's still receptive to dating me. That's a good thing. Yeah. Today, we're talking about receptivity, not the romantic kind, but spiritual receptivity, being receptive to Jesus and the gospel. Uh, this is the middle Sunday in our series called The Adventure where we're following the Apostle Paul on his three missionary journeys. Today's message is watch for open hearts. You know, at, we, uh, at Faith West, when we talk about our vision is that we uh, are becoming deep, daring, daily disciples of Jesus. We don't want to set our vision for anything less than that, being deep, daring, daily disciples. And the heart of today's message is a daring prayer. Here it is. Jesus, use my story to open someone's heart to the gospel. I hope you'll write that down or take a picture of it. Uh, Pray it with your family. uh, Pray it at home. Pray it with your faith group. Uh, Let's try it now, shall we? Let's pray it together. Jesus, use my story to open someone's heart to the gospel. In every new city that Paul went to, he starts by speaking at a local synagogue, because there he would find Jews and then uh, God-worshipping Gentiles gathered there. And why did he go there? Because he expected at least some of the people would be receptive to his message. And what is that message of the apostles? Well, we call that the gospel. Uh, it's, it's God's saving story in Jesus And, uh, you know, I've been working on what does a summary of the entire gospel story look like, and it's hard to know how much to put in and how much to leave out, but I've reduced it to three sentences, kind of a whole Bible, big story, gospel message. Here it is, out of love for the world he created, God has kept his promise to Israel and sent us Jesus the Messiah, our Savior King, the eternal Son of the Father, come in human flesh. Through his victorious life, death, and resurrection, Jesus has defeated God's enemies and established God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. By his atoning sacrifice on the cross, All who put their faith in Jesus receive forgiveness of sins, are filled with the Holy Spirit, and empowered to live together in holiness now and in the age to come when Jesus makes all things new. That's the good news, my friend. That's the story worth announcing. And the adventure is that we are sent, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to share this story. Our, our series, uh, we have a theme verse. Uh, it's about uh, referring to the, the first journey of, of Paul and Barnabas. So let's say it together. The two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. And this adventure is not just for apostles and preachers. It's for you. The Holy Spirit will lead you on your way as you share what Jesus has done in your life. Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Uh, Here, Paul and Silas are setting off on Paul's second missionary journey, probably two or three years after the first one that Paul went on with Barnabas. Uh, Let's put a map up on the screen and review the first journey. Now, the red arrows uh, show them as they're starting out from uh, Antioch and Assyria, and they sail to Cyprus, where Barnabas is from, and after traveling through the island, they sail north to Asia Minor, where Turkey is today. And they bring the message about Jesus to several towns in the blue air. So you can see those arrows kind of zigzagging in through there. And then the blue arrows show them tracing their way back and visiting all those places before finally sailing back to their home base in Syria. So Acts 16 starts with Paul and Silas. Here's the new map, kind of zoomed out a little bit. Um, Visiting the elders and, uh, the, the, excuse me, the sisters and brothers in these towns where, where they had been on the first journey. But then, where do they go? So if you have your Bible open, let's turn to verses 6 and 7. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. A couple questions come to me here, but one of them is about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. Is that the same thing? Could be. Uh, or it could mean that the Spirit of Jesus was an encounter with Jesus, kind of like the one Paul had on the way to Damascus. Kind of hard to, to know how to understand that. Anyway, what I'm really curious to know is, How did the Spirit guide them, direct them, keep them from going to the provinces of Asia and Bithynia? How did it happen? You know, there are several ways that the Holy Spirit can direct our path, uh, and I want to explore three of them today. The first and most common is by what Paul would call later, pardon me, having the mind of Christ. So we ask God for wisdom, we grow in, in scripture and in, and in, in our learning, and, uh, and we simply do what seems best. We have the mind of Christ, hopefully better and better, and we do what seems best. That's one of the ways that we're guided. For example, twice in my life, uh, my, a bishop has asked me to be a district superintendent, Uh, I guess I can announce that now. I've been kind of keeping it a secret. But now that I'm almost ready to retire, you know, let it out, right? But both times I prayed about it, and I told the Lord I would go wherever he sent me. If this is where he wants me, I'll I'll do it. But I was still left with a conviction that if I gave up uh, preaching and took this administrative role, I would end up spending six years in the wrong place. Fortunately, in both cases, I was allowed to decline that appointment. And I just simply did what seemed best, hopefully with the mind of Christ. But sometimes, and this is the second way, the Holy Spirit leads us intuitively in ways we do not expect. A friend recently told me about a time when he lived in rural Nebraska. One night he got a... <clears throat> Kind of a a random urge to take a different way home, one that he would normally never take. And along the way, he found a woman stranded with car trouble on a dark country road. And so he talked to her, and she somehow must have become comfortable and thought that he was trustworthy, and so he took her to get help. And now he looks back and he goes, I wonder if that was the Holy Spirit. Giving me that nudge, that intuition uh, to go home by another way. It sounds like the Magi, right? In the Christmas story, they went home by another way. Paul apparently plans, has plans to enter the provinces of Asia and Bithynia, but maybe he receives an urge or this sort of an intuitive sense. Hey, this is not where we're supposed to be. Could be. I find that this intuitive leading of the Spirit is not that uncommon. Now, we may not always read that intuition correctly. We have to kind of practice, right? We, we kind of learn how to do it. We, we kind of learn from our mistakes and, and also by what goes right. And we go, okay. And sometimes it helps when we're listening to an intuitive thing to talk it through with somebody. Do you think I'm hearing this correctly? And then third, sometimes the Spirit will communicate directly and specifically. Now, this may not happen to everyone, but it does happen. For example, Silas was known to have the gift of prophecy. Uh, I can imagine maybe during a nightly prayer and worship time, Silas says, I'm getting a word from the Lord. And the others listen. He said, do not preach in Asia at this time. That could be how it happened. Or maybe their new younger helper, Timothy, uh, who they, they met and kind of picked up along the way, he simply wakes up one morning and hears an inner voice speaking, Let Bithynia wait. And so he tells Paul and Silas about it, and they take it as a word from the Holy Spirit. I'm just kind of coming up with possibilities how that may have happened if it was a more direct, specific communication. And, you know, this kind of thing has happened to me um, through in my life. Not a lot, uh, you know, way less often than the other kinds. All right, let's put the map back up on the screen. So... Silas, Paul, Timothy, they, they don't go to Asia or Bithynia. They head to that coastal city of Troas and wait uh, upon the Lord for further instructions. Okay, and then in verse 8, we find that uh, that night Paul receives a vision. Uh, I don't know, because it's at night, I don't know whether he's asleep or awake, uh, but he, he sees a guy and hears him calling, come over to Macedonia and help us. And I wonder, why did God give Paul a vision to do this? You know, I don't know. I mean, I can just imagine maybe it was because God had been giving him the intuitions and he wasn't listening to them. God says, okay, well, I got to do something bigger. Or maybe this is just what God wanted to do. Um, Now, there's something that happens in verse 10 that I don't want us to miss. So let's look at it. You going to follow verse 10 with me? After Paul had seen the vision, it says, We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, what's unusual are the little words, we and us. Up to this point, the narrator has not been in the story. Is spoken all from the third person. Um, the easiest explanation is that the author has now joined Paul's mission team. Maybe met up there in Troas or somewhere along the way, and it seems clear enough that the author of Acts is the same one who wrote the gospel that bears his name, Luke. The next morning, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and now Luke, board a ship, and cross the Aegean Sea to the province of Macedonia, which today is northern Greece. Uh, And they are are taking the gospel to the European continent for the first time. They end up in the city of Philippi. Where would you expect Paul and his friends to go on their first Sabbath in a new city? The synagogue, right? That's where they're going to find receptive people. But apparently there's no synagogue in Philippi. But they do locate a few people worshiping Israel's God. So let's go to verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Let's go on to verse 14. It starts, One of those listening was a woman from the city of Theatira. Named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. So Lydia's successful businesswoman. She imports expensive uh, purple cloth, probably from her hometown, and sells it to the rich and famous in Philippi. She's a Gentile, but she worships Israel's God. And then verse 14 adds this The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And that sentence is our key passage for today. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. You know, God is always opening people's hearts to the gospel. Every person you will ever meet, God is already at work in them. Uh, God is at work trying to soften that person's heart and open it. God is revealing himself to them, letting them know that there's more to life than they've found so far, more to life than the mess maybe they've made of it so far. Uh, And some are paying attention, but some are not, at least not yet. In Acts 16, uh, God opens Lydia's heart. But it's important to remember that God... That does not mean that God overcomes her free will. God does not force her to believe. Instead, what's happening is that the Lord enables her to believe. We call that God's prevenient grace. The grace that comes before. And so God activates her free will and makes it possible for her to choose to believe. Jesus uh, talked about this kind of thing. He talked about closed and open hearts in his parable of the seeds and the soils. A lot of you will remember that one. Uh, when, when closed hearts hear the gospel, they do not take it seriously. You know, pff, pff, no room for that in my life. God's still trying to break through, but so far they're not having anything to do with it. And then there are those who have a, a little bit of openness so far, uh, but it doesn't take them all the way. They're they're somewhat receptive to Jesus, but they haven't surrendered their lives to him yet. Or they expect it to be easy, and then it turns out it's not all that easy, and they back off. And then there are some people who are open and receptive to the gospel, and I, I hope that is you today. I invite you. Receive the gospel, this good news, like a seed that is planted in in warm, clean, moist soil. And let it sprout. And let it take root. And let it bear fruit in your life. I'm sure that as our fearsome foursome are telling about Jesus, they are also sharing their own personal stories about what what he's done in their lives, how he has redeemed them and changed them and forgiven them and loved them and just put them on a whole new path, reunited them with God. And and God uses all this to open Lydia's heart. And that takes us back to our daring prayer. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Paul and company prayed a prayer something like this. Jesus, use my story to open someone's heart to the gospel. And you know, that's what happened with Lydia right away. God was using her story. It said the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Uh, and then we go on to verse 15. When she and the members of her household were baptized. What? And you know, in those early decades, you didn't wait to get baptized. You know, once you, and I kind of like that they didn't. I think it's great. You believe in Jesus, you give him your life, find some water. Get baptized that day if you can. And they were already at the river, so you know, plenty of water. Notice that, though, that she isn't the only one who gets baptized. It's also members of her household. Now, who's that? Doesn't say could include young children or adult children, grandchildren. It could even include those who worked for her. Maybe they lived in her villa. Well, whoever whoever it is, they have come down the river that Sabbath to uh, pray with her and to worship together. And on this day, they follow Lydia by putting their faith in Jesus. And they, too, are baptized. Another thing it says is that she urges Paul and his partners to come. Stay at their house. Stay at my place. She said, apparently she's got plenty of guest rooms. Uh, and which means, you know, being a successful financial person, you know, she she probably had a very large house. And so we would not be surprised if the first gatherings of Jesus' people in Philippi happened at her house. That's where the church was. That's where they gather on the Lord's day. And you know, when, when God uses your story to open someone's heart to the gospel, it keeps going and it keeps growing. It, it ripples out to more and more people, just like it did with Lydia. And so in that way, it is a never-ending adventure. Right? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the people whose lives and stories you have used to open our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for them. And Lord, thank you for giving me a story to tell. I know my story's not finished, and you are continuing to write it, but I've got enough of a story, Lord. If I'm walking with you to uh, let it spill out, let pieces of it be shared that will create curiosity in others and perhaps open their hearts. And Lord Jesus, I'm I'm praying for anyone here who might be saying, Lord, if, if my heart is closed to you, will you please help me and open my heart that I may know you and belong to you, that I may be forever changed as one of your people. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Let's stand.